0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 7 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin, And I'm Bryn Jackson. This
1: episode we hung out with Cap Watkins. He's best known for his work at Etsy, his fancy new gig as VP of Design at BuzzFeed, and being the only person on earth who abbreviates the name Christopher to Cap. We really had so much fun with this episode and Cap was an amazing guest. We discussed everything from A-B testing and hiring designers to robot horses and beard growing.
0: So this week I am back in the USA. I've been out of town for quite a while, which means that uh, finally we will be able to release episodes the same week they're recorded. So good times. Uh, One thing we're curious about and we'd love your thoughts on is possibly releasing more than one episode per week. I've had some amazing feedback so far. And yeah, one thought was maybe we could start chatting with more people. Our, Our list right now is a mile long of cool designers and product people that we want to chat with so obviously the only way to get through that list faster is to do more than one episode per week if this sounds interesting to you we'd really love to hear your thoughts Um, maybe you can tweet at us we're on twitter at design details fm Or if you have wanted to send us a personal, private note, you can email us. We're designdetailsfm at gmail.com. Before we get into this episode with Cap, I just wanted to quickly thank our sponsors. Our first sponsor for this episode is Weebly. Weebly is the easiest way for designers to build beautiful websites. They have powerful drag-and-drop tools that let you focus on the design while Weebly takes care of the rest. Editing sites with Weebly is so simple that your clients can update their own websites after you've done all the initial design work super easy. You can try it for free today at Weebly.com. Thank you, Weebly.
1: And our second sponsor, once again, Hover. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. They take all the hassle and friction out of buying a domain and make it so fast and easy to get what you need and get back to focusing on your idea. Thanks once again to Hover. And now let's get started. This is episode seven with Cap Watkins.
0: You want to tell us what you're up to these days, Cap?
2: i guess um i just started my new job uh three weeks ago now as the vp of design at buzzfeed uh you you may have heard of it it's a website and uh you can download our app on the iTunes. how do you spell buzz uh p-l-a-y-b-u-z-z i believe is how you spell it (laughs) perfect
1: (laughs) (laughs) what are seven things you designed
2: uh, I actually prefer 17. You okay, 17, like 17 would work too. You don't want a couple of consonants yeah. in like your list.
1: Type. How do we make this content more exciting? Um, how do we make people get in on it? Well, you'll never believe what happens next. Perfect. So. There you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. So, anyway, so yeah, so that's the new gig. I've been doing that for three weeks or so, so I'm a pro at this point. Um, <clears throat> and before that, I was uh, a design manager at Etsy for two years. Uh, and yeah, I mean, before that I was designing stuff at Amazon and then uh, a few startups in the Bay area for around four or five years.
1: When did you move to Brooklyn? Was that
2: for Etsy? For Etsy. Yeah. Um, I, I had talked to Etsy a couple of times, like before actually like, taking the job and, uh, and I felt bad about that. And so I decided to quit my job at Amazon and then call Randy, the creative director at Etsy, and tell him that I quit my job and I was actually going to do it this time. <laughs> um, and luckily he said yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So then four weeks later, it was like, oh, it's already done. So four weeks later, I moved to Brooklyn. That takes some guts. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, it, I guess it could have been pretty bad.
1: Do you ever miss the West Coast or like feel disconnected from what's going on out here? Or do you prefer it that way?
2: Uh, I don't feel, I mean, I don't prefer it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't feel that way. I don't feel disconnected. I do miss it. Um, And it's funny, actually, I I, so living in San Francisco for so long, like I think uh, I've experienced this in Brooklyn too, where it's really hard if you live in New York or in San Francisco to like move to the other one Mm. for some reason. Um, I've noticed that in recruiting a lot. Uh, You know, like I kind of like talk to people in San Francisco, but know that like everybody in San Francisco thinks they're just going to like live their whole lives there. Um, and people here feel the same way.
1: It's hard not to love it.
2: It's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, uh, Mike Davidson would say the bread's not very good, but, um,
1: (laughs) the bagels are terrible here. Oh my God.
2: If he tweets one more time about that, I'm going to lose my (laughs) mind. I'm going to mail him a loaf of bread from New York just to, you know, make him feel better. While we're
1: on that, can you just mail me some bagels like once a week? That would be fantastic.
2: I I should actually, that's, that's a startup. 17 bagels.
0: Yeah. That's a, I can't miss. A recurring buy of bagels from the East Coast.
2: Yeah. Bagel.co.
0: <laughs> Bagel.io.
1: Bagel, Io.
2: yeah. Input-output, right. bro. <clears throat> that's right. Well, what am I getting? I guess <laughs> I'm getting money for bagels. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's what you get, and the satisfaction.
2: That's right. Um, no, I miss it. I mean, it's been interesting going back after being gone for a while, because I was in Seattle for Amazon for a year and a half and now Brooklyn for over two years. So it's been like maybe three or four years since I've lived in San Francisco. And going back now, it's pretty interesting to like, there's a much bigger glut of like, like technology was big when I was there, but it's so much like larger now. Um, I think the last time I was there was like the dream, like uh, the Salesforce. What do they, what do they call that? Oh, Dreamforce. Dreamforce. Oh my God. And I, I, I tried to get to my hotel and like the guy had to drop me off like 12 blocks away. And I was like, what is happening?
1: Was it in Soma then?
2: Uh, yeah, it was in Soma. It was terrifying. I've never seen anything like it. (laughs) That never happened when I was there. Nothing even remotely like that. Like the closest thing was like beta breakers, which is awesome.
1: (laughs) Did you do SantaCon while you were here? I did not. Or like the citywide pillow fight?
2: You know, I, I saw, I guess we didn't have Vine or Instagram back then. Someone somehow posted a video of that and I enjoyed it that way.
1: Okay. That's fair.
2: But no SantaCon. No.
1: That's crazy to believe that, that those services didn't exist like four or five
0: years ago. It is crazy. I was curious if there's uh, any difference you find in design styles or, or what's going on in the design world on the East versus West Coast or has the internet pretty much bridged that gap?
2: It is pretty different. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of... It's funny. Uh, the graphic design community here seems a lot like bigger and no- more tightly knit than in San Francisco. Um, and like the print design community... So you have like studio mates out here, which there's a lot of print designers in there, and like illustrators and like graphic artists. And I feel like that's actually still bigger somehow than like like product design or uh, web design or app design um, as a profession. Actually, so my wife, uh, Kim, uh, was the art director of the op ed section for The New York Times, like the print paper for a number of years before moving over to the digital side. And when we first met, like I was hanging out with her and a few like of her friends, and like everybody's just talking about all these like graphic design agencies and uh and like uh, identity agencies and like all of these names, and they all know all these people, and I have no idea who anybody's talking about
1: yeah, it seems like they make a lot of the content there and then we just make the services here more than anything. That seems to be the biggest uh, divide that I
2: see that seems accurate i mean like i I feel like the New York tech scene is uh it's coming along I mean for sure it's definitely getting like bigger um it's getting easier to find the community. I think like when I first moved here, like what was so great about San Francisco was like, you could throw a rock and like be in a place with people who knew what you were talking about and could like, you could argue with them, have a good discussion, like talk about what you're working on. Um, And here it's like, you have to like kind of seek it out and find it um, on purpose. Like, it's not just like, you know, it's not tech isn't the primary uh, industry in New York, Um, which is a good thing. I think I actually really like the diversity of, industries here so like you'll run into people in publishing or like media in general um and then tech and it's uh it's pretty interesting
0: when did you start growing your beard Uh, asking the important uh, questions
2: the important questions um
0: i i actually have a list of questions here and that's the first one so
2: that's great (laughs) so so the beard's a funny story actually um see brand so i did movember i didn't know i could uh I didn't know I could grow a beard and then I did Movember in like 2007 and uh and realized that I don't look good with a mustache but like I can do but facial hair grows so like I decided to try it and uh what do you mean you
0: didn't know you could grow facial hair like you looked in the mirror a month later and you're like holy shit
2: well I just did, I, I just shaved all the time It never like it never really occurred to me I mean you know it never really occurred to me to like try you know um and so I grew up the beard and ever since then uh, I've had a beard and I, I shave it off all the way, like once a year. Um, and every time I do that, I go into wherever I work and like for two or three days, people think I'm not at work. <laughs> uh, there was a moment at Etsy where I, I'd been working there maybe six months and that it was like the summer. And I shaved my beard off and I go into this meeting and, uh, it's a design critique and there's some engineers there as an engineering manager and the designer and the designers going through their work and I'm like giving feedback. And uh, at one point I'm like, I'm in the middle of a sentence and this engineering manager turns to me and he says, I'm sorry, who are you again? <laughs> no. <laughs> this guy thought that I was just some dude who rolled into this like, <laughs> meeting and like was trashing the design. And I was like, Justin, it's me. I'm in this meeting all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, guys. It's still me um and then another time i was doing my first uh speaking gig in canada and uh i sent them my like photo right for the website and it was like i had a beard and uh it was right around that time that i had shaved it off and i go to this conference and i meet the conference organizer for the first time in person and uh i'm like hey i'm cap and he goes oh and like shakes my hand kind of like and I can tell I had disappointed him. Like I I, I, know, I was never invited back. Never <laughs> I would never I invited back you back for your conference. beard. It's totally true. I got asked <laughs> later about it. I was like, I I didn't realize that was something that was important. That
0: is hilarious.
2: So now for for conferences I do not do it. I do not shave my beard off. I like have to have it. Like
0: Once it's in all of your profile pictures, it's part of your identity, right?
2: It's really weird like that. I don't
0: Same with the cap cap.
2: Yeah, I, I was actually asked to leave one of my caps behind at Etsy. One of the engineers asked me to like leave one behind.
1: <laughs> sentimental
2: i'm gonna mail it to them i think
1: do do you just have a bunch of the same color
2: no actually i I only have like a couple beanies uh and then when they kind of wear out like i i've been like i think that's like a guy thing uh i just have like two and then i wait until i wait like four years until one's like completely destroyed and buy a new one i actually got a new buzzfeed one which is pretty cool
1: a buzzfeed beanie yeah what do you click on on the (laughs)
2: How
0: much clickbait shit can we give to cap all of it
2: <laughs> well i mean i'm actually more interested in the sharing than the clicking Ooh. So
0: yeah let's talk about buzzfeed and what you're working on there read all the interviews and all the press releases and stuff but i'm curious what you've actually been doing and uh of course you wrote the blog post but let's hear the details
2: uh so we're starting with a complete redesign oh god <laughs> no i'm just kidding um <clears throat> Everybody, I feel like everybody asked me, like when I start, started this job, everybody was like, uh, not everybody, a lot of people were like, uh, like, you know, really excited to see like the new design that's going to come out. I'm like, geez, guys, like that's not, that's not how this works.
0: It's going to be blue.
2: Right. Exactly. Managing
0: expectations.
2: Yeah. I'm going to take this really successful thing and completely overhaul it. That seems right.
0: Um, VP
1: of unnecessary redesign.
2: That's right. Um, so, so, yeah, so I've only been there three weeks. Uh, I think, like, one of the biggest things right now, <clears throat> I was telling Bryn this earlier, was... Uh, so, first of all, like kind of, like, getting to know all the designers is really important right now, right? Um, not just getting to know them, but, like... I, Bryn asked me how, like, deep I was in the works, like, how close I was to it right now. If you're in the trenches every day, yeah. Right. And, uh, and I am. I mean, right now, for sure. And a big reason for that is just, like one of the best things I can do right now is just build trust with the people that like are on the team uh, and not just the designers, right? Like engaging in the product conversations with PMs and like uh, and talking to the engineers, like, and just really like trying to build that trust so that like it makes like things later easier. Um, so a lot of that stuff, just kind of like sitting down with people looking at work, like just talking about it, asking questions, giving some like pretty light feedback at this point. Cause I don't totally get, everything that's going on so far. And then the other big thing that I was brought in to do is kind of like shore up the logistics of the design team. So BuzzFeed's grown really fast. Uh, the design team grew really fast. So there's like eight product designers in New York and uh, two in LA. And similar to Etsy when I got there, so it's a similar size. Um, they don't have any sort of structure around that around the team. So like, you know, uh, career tracks, like, defined roles responsibilities um it's kind of all over the place so like one of the things i'm doing right now is just like kind of documenting and codifying this stuff for people and like building out a structure so that people don't have to worry about this anymore right like here are all the things you never have to worry about again right like what level are you what does that mean what's your career look like going forward how do we like take the next step like let's just like make all that really easy and get everybody feeling really good and then we can like start like doing harder work um so that's kind of what i'm focused on right now to be honest with you it's just like a lot of logistics a lot of just like
1: get some clarity in there before you start
2: a lot of clarity trying to like boost transparency like that that was such like a successful thing we did at etsy was like design's pretty powerful in this way that there's never it's pretty rare that you have a weight like any like more designers than engineers or even like i mean design and pn product management's usually around the same size but like design's in a really unique position to like Create a ton of transparency across everything because we're basically we're on every team there's not very many of us um so it's easier to like do something as a group so if we can get all the designers to start sharing work really regularly and openly like we're gonna like we could change the kind of like the culture a little bit and let everybody kind of in to the process and like let everybody feel like they know what's going on um, which will be really important as we get bigger because there's only like 100 people on the tech team in total right now but they're looking to like grow even faster this year. So like, it'll only get bigger from here.
1: You've written a lot about hiring in the past has, has, uh, I know you're only three weeks in, so maybe you haven't gotten too much into hiring just yet, but I imagine you're looking to grow the team. Uh, is, is the type of person you're looking for, has that changed?
2: Uh, uh, not really. Um, I think like the change that I'm making now to who I'm looking for is mostly like, I'm like adding additional skills to so, like folks who like are really deep into mobile prototyping, like that's something we haven't really like required in the past Really, that at Etsy wasn't something that like, it was nice, but it wasn't something we like kind of pushed on too hard. But BuzzFeed's in a place where like 60% of the traffic is mobile. Um, so so we should probably find people who can prototype for mobile.
0: <laughs> it makes sense.
2: But other than that, yeah, I mean, like I'm still looking for generalists. Uh,
1: boring designers.
2: Boring designers, like folks who can do like, would be responsible for like the user experience and the visual design and like uh, if you're working on the web, the front-end implementation of what you're working on—I don't know. Like, I have my own perspective on like why that's important, um, and it's not just to do the work. It's like those are the kind of folks I find to be like the most curious. So, if there's ever something like mobile prototyping is an interesting example. Like generalists, like I've seen generalists like really latch on to like new stuff. Oh, there's a new like prototyping tool, or like oh, there's like something new I need to learn. Like they just jump on it because that's what they do, and that's going to be really valuable in the long term for for BuzzFeed or Etsy or whoever.
0: What about uh, any iOS development or I guess mobile development actually going beyond the prototyping and writing code? Is that something that you're encouraging or looking for? Or is that one step too far?
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm not against it. <laughs> I'm not, I mean like that, that's great. I do realize that like, and I just have to acknowledge that like, it's a lot harder to grok that than it is like HTML and CSS. Although at Etsy we uh, we sent a bunch of engineers to Big Nerd Ranch to learn uh, Objective C and Java um, because we we're going to distribute all the mobile app development across the organization, right? Uh, and it's funny as soon as it got announced that like that that program was happening for engineering, all of the product designers sent emails to us going like, "How do I do this? How do I get in on this?" And we sent them, and like they would come back and they would have like built like built apps. Um, And, like, some of them were, like, getting help from the engineers, like, with their app to, like, hook it into the Etsy APIs and, like, start to build out their own, like, little pieces, like, of the ecosystem in Objective-C and stuff. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I really wish there was a better presentation layer for that stuff. Do you have any favorite tools of the moment? (sighs) Uh, For mobile... Prototyping, yeah. Prototyping, yeah. Yeah. not really. I mean, like, I've used Flinto a bunch and Invision, uh and those are pretty good. Uh, actually, to be honest with you, like, at Etsy, we got to a point where, and I'd like to get to this point with BuzzFeed, where we had a uh, an object-oriented CSS style guide that a couple designers wrote over the course of, like, nine months or so. And uh, so it made, like, web prototyping, like, pretty incredibly fast, and then made... And it was fully responsive. Like you could make it fully responsive.
1: Was it actually OOKS based, or was it like a variation on it?
2: Uh, it's well, it was written completely from scratch by these two designers. So, um, and they they were pretty hardcore about about being object oriented. Um, they refactored the entire thing like three or four times in the course of nine months. It was pretty impressive. They were they were some of the best folks I've ever met. But what was cool about it was like then you could quickly prototype something for mobile. For user research, like, so you can, like, just quickly throw something together, put it through user research, like, because, like, at the end of the day, like, uh, I feel like what a lot of the prototyping tools are trying to do is trying to help you, like, put animations together to show a developer to engineer the animation. Like, that feels like what the goal of a lot of them is. It's not so much, like, you tap this and you go to this screen. I have found in user research, like, people aren't really that confused by like just the screen changing. Like, I mean, we all use the internet. So like that happens all the time. Um, so if you're just trying to figure out if a flow makes sense, it's a pretty good way. Like it's a quick way just to throw it into like a web prototype and like put it on a phone and like give it to somebody. And then you can like get into the details later and like really like dig through. But yeah, I don't know. I mean like, there's not like, I've tried a bunch of the, of like Quartz Composer and Form and like, uh, what else is there out there? What was the other one I tried recently? Pixate's my favorite,
1: but I've mentioned that in like every episode so far.
2: Pixate's pretty good. I feel like what I'd like to see is like a mobile, well, like a mobile prototyping tool that was not uh, designed by engineers.
1: Huh. Uh, yeah. I'd I'd love it if InVision and Pixate were like some combo or I could use Pixate to do the animations in between or, uh, and just let InVision handle the very basic stuff. I don't know. Yeah, totally. Um, do you guys use a similar data-driven process to what Dan McKinley showed from Etsy?
2: Yeah, so we do. So BuzzFeed does. Um, so we do A/B test things. Um, I think like as far like it's funny they're pretty young as a tech group in like the tool and like the tools they use. Like the Etsy tools are just like pretty far ahead of like I mean anywhere I've ever worked really outside of Amazon. I guess <laughs> they've been doing that a lot longer, but. I mean, all the processes are fairly similar. I mean, like, BuzzFeed's working on getting to continuous deployment in the next year or so, um, which will really help a lot. And uh, and we're going to start, like, tooling out, like, all the... Uh, I'm talking to them right now and kind of, like, talking to them about what Etsy's done. Um, and they all seem super interested in, like, just, like, the front end of the tools. Um, because we can look at all this data, like, it's all there. We can A-B test at BuzzFeed, and we do do that stuff, but, like... Um, how do we like kick that thing into like hyperdrive right over the next year or two is going to be like a really fun thing to do. But yeah, we absolutely do that stuff.
0: Wanted to take a quick break to thank our sponsor for this episode, Weebly. As you already know, Weebly is looking to promote great design in an incredibly easy to use package. They have really amazing tools that are making it so simple and easy to build and maintain a website. You can pass it off to your clients and they can update the site on their own. The tools are just so simple. And a lot of the innovation that's coming out of Weebly are coming from folks that are just inspired by interactions with the design community, from the day-to-day work that's going, on, that's going on out there in the world. And right now, thousands of designers are using Weebly because it just makes the whole website building process so much simpler. Now, here's something that we think you might be interested in. Weebly is looking to expand their design team with people who are as intensely dedicated to responsive, beautiful design. If this sounds like you, if you're a UI designer, a UX designer, which we know lots of our listeners are, uh, Weebly would love to hear from you. You can check out the job listing at jobs.weebly.com and join up with a talented team at Weebly that's really pushing the boundaries on, on what it means to build a simple, beautiful website. So again, if you're looking for a job, if working with Weebly sounds cool to you, Check it out. It's jobs.weebly.com. And of course you can try the product for free at weebly.com. Huge thanks again to Weebly for sponsoring this episode and back to the show. I am really fascinated in other people that are doing AB testing. Um, Have you not started that yet at Buzzfeed or is that, is that already going on quite a bit?
2: It's already going on quite a bit. Um, I haven't participated in any, obviously (laughs) in the first three weeks, but they do like, they roll things out and they like measure them and then they roll them back. And then see what happened, and like read through the data and stuff. I don't really have any specific examples. Like I said, I haven't really actually like seen it or done it yet. But give me a few months; I'm sure like that'll happen.
0: I've heard. Uh, well, I guess off the bat, I'm I'm a fan of A/B testing, but I've heard one argument that says A/B testing and only making decisions based on data can remove some of the emotion or <laughs> uh, <laughs> human element of design. The people who say that don't like the data they're getting. That's true. <laughs> oh, okay.
2: Well, I mean... That's, you agree with that? I, I mean... I'm trying to think of how to put this. So, like, there are, more, there are multiple types of data, right? Like, so user research is actually just a data stream. If you look at that, they're good at that way. Like, you have user research that's an input into the design process. And then you have A-B testing, which is an input into the design process, right? It's like, it's not a decision-maker So much as it is like information to make the best decision. Do you know what I mean? So like, oh yeah, um, yeah. that's what I would say to those people is like, don't look at it as like you're lose. You're gonna lose. Like I did this thing and I think it's the best thing, but it lost in A/B testing and like so data doesn't like get my emotions (laughs) or my users' emotions. (laughs) Dang it, data! The data is telling you something, and you need to dig through it and find out what that is. It's really interesting, actually. Like so at Etsy, what's really hard is like. The data telling you something's wrong like isn't just like you know uh oh well, like fewer people are signing up or something like we're talking about like we're selling like Etsy sellers, like people are selling less stuff, and like that's like that's bad for Etsy kind of, but it's really bad for the community, right so like sure, like maybe like the buyers aren't getting the sentiment we want them to get, but like do our do the does like the platform the community on the platform really care right like do like or do they really care about like Oh, this person found my like woodworking shop and they bought the chair that they wanted, right? Um, so you like you kind of have to like take your personal feelings out of it a lot of the time and like try to like get into the heads of the people that like are using it or the people that are important.
0: Uh, Etsy, did you ever find the the product being at odds between the needs of the buyers and the sellers and you had to make a decision one way or the other or did you find that those often aligned?
2: They often align. I mean, like they at the core of all of it, like both, like both ends of that, they both people want the same thing, right? Like the person shopping wants to find the thing that they want, right? And like the person selling it wants them to find it. So like those two things are always like, if you look at that as like the total core of it, like that's always in, aligned. Now, what like what's hard is like the seller community is like pretty vocal about what they would like to happen and what they need. And as we like, as we designers know, like when someone tells you like the solution they're actually expressing a problem and not like the solution right like mm-hmm. um and i think it's sometimes difficult to well for designers to back away from that solution and just find the problem and then like move forward from there but then also once like sometimes the solution we find is different than the solution like that your community provided to you in the first place and that's a hard thing i think for people to to like understand Right is like this is solving not just your personal problem, but like you expressed a problem. Lots of people are having, and this is a solution that like takes care of all like most of them instead of just like this small like slice of them. So that's just that's a tough thing.
0: It's like the asking for
1: a faster horse. God, that's that's the example everyone gives.
2: <laughs> I'm so sick of hearing about faster horses. I was I was trying to avoid it, but you went there.
0: Well, the thing, yeah, no, I mean, but it's a it's a good example like the problem isn't how fast you're moving it's just that the person wants to get from a to b uh more efficiently right so well yeah yep yeah anyways (laughs) (laughs) yep can we beat this dead horse i gotta
2: i gotta tell you i think someone would have actually probably accepted a faster horse if it was as fast as a car would we really be talking about cars right now
1: guys if we had robo horses how cool would that be
2: that's what i'm saying
1: oh yeah motorcycles they're the best
2: They are the best. I want a fleet of motorcycles to pull my carriage.
1: Wait, wait, do you have motorcycles?
2: No, I don't. Damn it. I
1: don't have
0: any. (laughs) Damn it, Cap. We could have talked about (laughs) motorcycles. (laughs) Thank goodness. No,
2: I've never, I've never owned a car in my, in my life.
0: Thank goodness.
1: I'm going to ride the new Ducati Scrambler, like right after this with Sam. I'm so excited.
2: I don't even know what that is.
0: Uh, Dude, I'm with you, Cap. I don't understand. Yeah. New Ducati. That's about it.
2: I'm going to ride the subway later, I think.
0: I'm getting on an airplane. Oh, that's cool. Mm.
2: <laughs> that's a fun, fun method of travel. In,
0: in South Asia, that's kind of risky. Maybe,
1: maybe we don't do that.
2: Wait, is it is it a is it a horseless airplane?
1: Can you take a robo horse? Oh yeah, <laughs> across the water. I mean, seahorse. Hello, a robot.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It can do whatever it wants. A robot seahorse. So, Cap, I'm curious. Um, are most VPs of design outside hires like yourself or are there a lot of cases where people can work their way up to that position
1: that is a very broad question
0: well the thing i'm curious about is how how vps of design getting hired from the outside what what they can bring to the table in terms of a new perspective or or outside point of view versus someone that's been there for a few years
2: so i actually don't know if i mean i guess it must be possible to be promoted to vp of design like just from like after being at the company for a bunch of years i mean like I mean, Randy Hunt is at Etsy and he's, he's, now, he's been there a very long time and now he's like the creative director of a lot of stuff um, at Etsy where as he was just like the creative director of like two people, like I think when he started or something like that. Um, so it's like that position and role has like grown tremendously in the last like however long he's been there. So that seems totally possible. Um, but coming from the outside, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not totally sure. I think I was kind of an accident for BuzzFeed. Um, I know they were an accident for me. I actually this is a story I don't think I've told any of my bosses at BuzzFeed, but, um, I, I actually started talking to them because I was trying to poach their designers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the secrets That's out true,
2: uh, and I wound up getting poached instead. The poacher has become the poachy <laughs> yeah, I was talking to I was talking to someone about like you know, my perspective on design and whatever, whatever. And they were like, you should just come work at BuzzFeed. And I was like, yeah, sure, maybe. Um, and then I had uh, had a beer with like the VP of product who was also fulfilling the role of VP of design at the time. And he told me later, he said that like, you know, he didn't really, like he felt like he needed someone in that role, but he didn't know what it what it looked like or like what um, what that person might like, ha- what perspective that person might have or like what experience they were looking for. And so he and I talking.
1: And product managers make the worst designers, too. Holy shit.
2: Well, he was actually the first designer at BuzzFeed way back in the day.
1: I was just picking on Brian, who started as a product
0: manager. Oh, well. I couldn't tell if you were being serious and you just forgot or you just being a... Nope, I was coming at you. Being a jackass. Brian,
2: you're great. Don't let anybody tell you any differently. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was totally an accident. And like we talked and like he said after that, he was like, oh, I guess that's what we need. So... I don't know. I mean, it really depends on the needs of the organization, right? Like, I mean, like, we talked a lot to designers at Etsy, and I'm saying similar things to designers at BuzzFeed about um, people who are interested in switching to management at some point. Um, it's rare that it's hard to promote somebody, like, up a level as a designer, right? Like, if, like there's nothing really ever blocking that from happening if, like, the skill set's there and, like, they've, like, achieved what they need to. But in order to switch to management, like, the need has to be there and, like, the right fit has to be there. Like, even an internal person needs to, like, meet a need to become, like, to switch over into that role. And so that makes it a lot, like, trickier, I think. Uh, And, uh, like, there's probably a reason a lot of people come from the outside. Also, a lot of designers, like, don't ever want to manage anybody. Like, I mean, I talk to folks and, like, ask them, like, what they're thinking and, like, to consider it and just, you know rolled around in their heads and a lot of people come back and they're just like no way no thanks like i'm really happy doing design work and like just getting better at that and being a leader um as a designer Uh, and i don't ever want to do what you're doing (laughs) it's like which is totally fine and legitimate
0: and you you used to say that as well you didn't want to be a manager and then you ended up being a manager and quite liked it
2: yeah what do you you think about
0: that well do you have advice for designers that are in that position where they say, "Oh, I'll, I'll never manage. I'll never do it." Um, what would you say to those people?
1: Yeah, management advice for designers in general would be like a really awesome thing to
2: get. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've learned in my life not to ever say I'm never going to do anything because I wind up doing it. Like when I was working in startups in San Francisco, I told I would always say, "Like I'm never going to work at a big company." Like that seems terrible. I would never do that. And then I worked at Amazon. And then at Amazon and like everywhere before that I was like, I'll never manage anybody. like that seems like the worst job in the whole world. Like every manager I've had kind of sucked, which means there must be something to that job that makes it suck. And then went to Etsy and became a design manager. So like I would say just try to be open to all the possibilities um, or learn that you're gonna say never and then you're just gonna do it uh, right afterwards like I'm doing. I, I start to like hear myself say I'm never gonna do that now and I'm like I write it down I'm like that's something I'm totally gonna wind up doing
0: what's one of those things
2: skydiving i think for sure and now it's it's funny once i said i wouldn't do it now i'm like kind of like every once in a while i'm like man i should really do that um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean my other piece of advice would be like i guess two things i would say the first thing is don't look at that move if you decide to try something like that don't look at it as permanent like if you get into it and you realize it's not working for you or like something that you don't actually like to do that should be okay um and you should like be able to i mean if you're in a good place you should be able to talk to the person that like is your boss or like <clears throat> that you work with and say like hey like i don't i don't think this is working for me i'd like to go like you know back over horizontal to like you know go back to designing um and that should be okay like it should be okay to try stuff and then like realize it's not for you um at etsy like i tried to find pretty low uh risk ways of letting people try stuff so like we would have a summer intern and like a senior designer who might be interested in becoming a manager someday, like I would be like, well, you're going to have one-on-ones with the this intern and you're going to like kind of help them and guide them. And like, and you and I will check in, but this is your way of like kind of trying it out. Like seeing if you like this at all and maybe you hate it. No big deal. And I think the second thing I would say is like not to look at management as not design because that is literally all it is. Um, Like management is like the greatest user experience design problem. Like I've ever had, like your users are like right in front of you all the time. Uh, You meet with them once a week and they tell you everything that's wrong.
1: Unavoidable user research.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's unavoidable. It's like just constant user research and constant like uh, learning about like what people think. And like I'm constantly surprised in both like good and like not bad ways, but good and interesting ways. And I don't know. It's just it's really kind of exciting when like you work with someone for a while and you see them like break through a wall or like. Overcome something that they haven't been able to overcome, like and it's like partially because like you've helped them, and that's just super satisfying to me it's like watching uh it's like having a user a usability testing lab where like you watch somebody like completely like watch your design totally tank like over and over and over and like slowly get better, and then all of a sudden like it's like super smooth and like it's just like being successful over and over and like that just feels really good and it's the same thing with management
1: yeah getting getting yeses and consistent positive feedback is the worst thing that can happen. Like, you got to have that negative to start from.
0: Right. You mentioned in every single interview I've seen you do uh, the book Managing Humans by Michael Lopp.
2: Yeah, that is, I've read that once a year, probably at least, even before I was a manager. Like, someone <clears throat> someone suggested I read it and uh, and I actually found it really interesting from the point of view of uh, someone who was being managed. It's actually a really interesting book. It's uh, got a lot of really... Some engineering specific but like actually not so much like a lot of it's very like broad advice about how to like absorb pretty chaotic like pretty chaotic situations which i found pretty useful
0: what's been one of the key lessons i want to i want to read the book but like what's one thing that you've always just came away with anytime you read that
2: uh don't panic (laughs) never panic or at least like don't let them see you panic
0: it's like <laughs> <laughs> you can panic in a darker there
2: there have definitely been moments where like you know uh you're in a one on one and someone just like unloads something that you had no idea even was a like you had no idea was coming didn't know it was a thing uh and all in like all you can do is just kind of like absorb it like and just like process it as best you can, make sure that they know that you understand it and like that you're that you need to think about it um but that you're there to help them. Like, it's just like, uh, I think it's really easy to be reactionary and it's really important just not to be like, to be as like kind of thoughtful as possible at all times. Um, and that's something that seems to come out in every single interaction. Uh, Michael talks about in that book is like, it's a lot about just being thoughtful all the time, like no matter what's happening around you. Like you're kind of the eye of the storm. Like you need to be that calm place where like everything else is going crazy, but everything's okay right now.
0: Your office is the happy place.
2: Yeah. Or a safe place at least. Right. Like, I mean, it's not, I've definitely, it's never, it's not always been completely 100% like, you know, rainbows, but it's like, it's a safe place. Like this is a place that like, it's going to be okay. Um, Something else has been really interesting. I've been thinking about a lot lately is uh, I, uh, I've been really into reading chef's biographies lately. I don't know why. Ooh,
1: anyone in particular?
2: Um, I've read... I started off with Anthony Bourdain, which was what everybody, I think, starts off with. And I moved through a bunch of them. It's so, like Marcus Samuelson. Uh, oh, who's the guy that does that's, cooks at uh, Alinea? Granta uh, Shaw? Granta Shaw, or Akitz, I guess. Akitz, whatever. Um,
1: I always want to pronounce it the French way.
2: So his book's amazing uh, because it talks about, like, I'm not sure if you're aware, but like, he, like... Uh, so he was like winning all these awards and it turned out that he had like stage four, like throat cancer and he was going to die. It's crazy. Like and they were like in a, they were talking about like cutting out like his tongue and stuff to like save him. And he was just like, no way. Right. Because like he's that's his identity. And it's just like, man, it's like what? a, It's like if you're a designer and someone's like, oh, well, your, your hands have got to go. <laughs> it's like God. like i mean what would you know what would you do or your eyes or something like that like what would you do you know um yeah it's it's a crazy crazy story but um but i was reading about i was reading anthony bourdain's book and then like which one was that uh kitchen confidential yep awesome i have that one upstairs and uh he he talks about it in this book and then he also has been asked about it in a few interviews recently and it's brought it back up for me sorry he was asked like what's the most valuable trait Um, in a person or an employee. And like he, his answer is always the same, which is uh, he says punctuality. um, And he talks about how like someone being on time is like, it's a sign of respect for like you, like the person that they are like either friends with or employed by. But he goes on, he goes beyond that. I I think punctuality is important too, but I actually don't think it's the most important trait. Uh, But he goes on to talk about like how, what he really means is he says, there's two types of people in this world. They're the people who do what they say they're going to do. And they're the people who don't and like, that's like been really interesting to me as a manager. And actually something that came up, I was asking for uh, feedback from some of the folks that I managed at Etsy as I was leaving because I wanted to like know what I should keep doing, what I like, should stop doing. And, uh, and one of them said to me, like, you know, I always know that when I talk to you, like something's going to happen, like you're going to help me, like something will actually happen. And I've like, and I didn't actually realize that that was true but I've realized since then like how important that is and how that's something I always felt like I was missing in my like relationships with my manager was like, I would talk to them about stuff and like, they'd be like, yeah, that super sucks. You're right. And then nothing would happen. Right. We would just like continue. Everything would continue to suck. And it just can't be that way. Right. As, uh, especially if you don't want people, to, if you want people to stick around the long term, you can't just let that stuff ride. You have to like help them and do what you say you're going to do.
0: Would you be willing to share what somebody told you you should stop doing?
2: I have to tell you, I think unless that
0: hits too close to home, no,
2: it's fine. Because and this isn't like I think this is probably because I was leaving and people were having the feels, but no one really had anything to tell me about that. Whoa,
0: that's a good sign.
2: Well, I I mean, we were all we were all having the feels. I think it was like
0: if you worked at
1: Etsy and you actually told him something that was a problem, you should tell us. Just hit us up on Twitter. Uh, No big deal. We know he's lying,
2: right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll call Cap out on Twitter.
2: No, tell no tell me tell me
1: they said you should stop shaving your face
2: (laughs) no i think like i think if i could have like changed anything i think i wish i could have um there were a lot of times i had more responsibility than i think i was probably capable of handling like just like we were short staffed a few times and i wound up taking on the stuff that we were short staffed on i'm someone who just says yes to that sort of thing and like just tries to take care of it but it wound up like stretching me like beyond probably what was like possible superman complex Uh, i mean i don't know someone had to do it you know and like i cared about all i cared about all the work and i cared about all the like designers and so it was just like i took it on because of that you know you do the best you can but it's like it's just like i knew that people weren't getting the same like amount of like attention and like care that like i could have given them if like i'd had seven reports instead of like 13 right so um i'm trying to be very conscious of that like at BuzzFeed because like design's a pretty broad thing at BuzzFeed. And like right now, like there's only eight product designers, but that's going to grow. And so I need to make sure that like, I have a like pretty great management team in place and like no one's stretched too thin. And like, I'm not stretched too thin. And like, um, it's something I'm pretty hyper aware of these days. What does a product designer at BuzzFeed's job look like? I mean, not that much different than, I mean, probably anywhere that you or I can think of. So like it's, um, you know, working with the product managers, working with the engineers to like, Come up with like what we're gonna do, when we're gonna do it, how we're gonna do it. Uh, obviously, design it, and, uh, do a few passes, like iterate, and then ship it.
1: Is there a lot of like? Does that do you guys lean more toward UX or UI illustration? Is the, is there something that some of your people specialize in?
2: Uh, there's, a, I mean, so everybody being responsible for everything means that, like, I mean, we don't really have specialists, but obviously, like, some folks are like heavier in one place than another like we see that we saw that at etsy too right like some people were like really high up on like they're like super hardcore front-end folks and like pretty good ux people and then like the visual design was somewhere in the middle right or like uh really strong ux folks with like good visual design chops that like had never coded before and so it's like you get these like nice mixes of people and we have a little bit of that at buzzfeed um like there are a couple of people who were like pretty like Deep UX thinkers, some a couple of them like HCI degrees. They've been like thinking about that for a long time. Also, a couple really strong front end folks, uh, and then like some really like pretty awesome visual designers too. So like, um, it kind of runs the gamut. It just kind of depends on who you're getting. I think like the the key for me like long term is like to make sure when we build teams, we're building teams of complementary people. So like, just like it is one person's responsibility to take a project all the way through to completion, right? But like uh having people around them that complement their strengths and weaknesses like will make their work better on the thing they're doing. So just making sure as we grow the team, we're like putting those puzzle pieces together in the right way. So everybody can like, kind of like level up each other is like gonna be really important. Awesome.
0: On a higher level, what do you see as the biggest design challenge that BuzzFeed's facing right now?
2: <sighs> uh I mean internally it's mostly the transparency thing. Like Just I really want to nail that real bad. Because like right now, like you can look across BuzzFeed, and I think I mean the BuzzFeed designers would say this themselves actually. Like it's kind of like there are parts of it that are kind of all over the place. Like you know, tons of different button styles and like there's not really a lot of cohesion. Which look, we've all been there, right? Like I mean even I bet an Etsy designer today would tell you that's still the case.
1: Been there? Don't we live there?
2: We live there year round, right? (laughs) I built a cabin there.
1: I don't want to see that cabin.
2: (laughs) No, you do not. It's really messed up. But I think it's going to be really important. Like, transparency will help us, like, first of all, start to, like, bring these things together. And then also we're working, there's a team starting to work on, like, a codified style guide, which will help a lot starting to pull things together. Now, like, the funny thing about BuzzFeed, I think, is, like, uh, we have so many different properties that the design of each of them like is going to be different just like necessarily so like we have the news product right we have, so we have buzzfeed slash news which is like pretty serious i mean like we have a huge editorial team like we have reporters like on the ground doing stuff writing things um it's super serious and so like the way we present that will probably necessarily be different right than like how we're going to present like uh, the life section of BuzzFeed or just like the buzz section of BuzzFeed with all like the lists and quizzes and fun stuff um, so that'll be like a big challenge going forward is fi- trying to find like the right way to kind of make these things feel cohesive but then also separate separate enough or like I- they have their own identity and they like convey the right message like for what they are hopefully we do it
0: Use, yeah that's a, that's a tricky one hmm. just
2: full of hard problems man that's fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, these are fun problems. You said in, uh, I keep going back to your other interviews because I read them all and listened to them all and watched them all.
2: So I am so sorry. That sounds terrible.
1: You, dude, he's on 10K internet in China right now, too. So you should feel really bad.
2: Uh, no,
0: they're all great. <laughs>
2: That's right. It, took him, it, took, it literally took him 85 hours to listen to my two interviews. <laughs> I've been up all night. <laughs>
1: One more quick break to thank Hover once again.
2: Hover is the best
1: way to buy and manage domain names. When you have a great idea, you don't want to spend all your time coming up with a great name. You just want to get it done and get back to building your great idea. Hover gives you exactly what you need to get it done. They have amazing, beautiful, well-designed interfaces to make domain management fast and simple. They don't waste your time with nagging and upselling. They just give you the things you need, like who is privacy and their smart control panel. If you're not already on Hover for some reason, they'll even help you switch with their free valet transfer service. Both Brian and I use Hover for our personal domains, and we love it. They take the things that so many registrars get wrong and get them just dead right. So go to Hover.com. When you get to the checkout, use promo code BRAGDRIVEN. All one word. You'll save 10% off your first purchase. They'll know you came from the show, which really helps us keep putting out great new episodes every week. Hover's awesome. You people are awesome. It's a perfect match. So go to Hover, check it out. And thanks again
0: to Hover for sponsoring the show. You you have this cool thing about if you're not doing something scary, uh, you're not growing. Um I'm curious what you see as the scariest thing right now uh about just the whole transition to BuzzFeed and, and what you're planning on doing to work through that. You're like a therapist, sort of.
2: I mean was all of that not enough? <laughs> <laughs> uh i mean all that all that stuff it's funny i think like the scariest part so far has just been uh so like at etsy or at any other job i've had it's like or at etsy actually let's just use that as a good example like i was managing folks but like i still had like i had a creative director who i could like go to and like kind of double check like what i was doing and making sure that like that was like the right thing to do and obviously as a designer, like having like a product manager or a CEO or like, you know, like someone that I was working really closely with to like, you know, shape whatever I was doing at Buzzfeed. Like I, I'm definitely working with like the VP of product and our publisher and a bunch of other people. But like at the end of the day, like kind of what keeps coming back to me is like, I don't know, just kind of like you're in charge now, like do what you're, do what you're going to do. Like, right. Um, and that's a really, the net's been taken out from under the high wire a little bit. Um, um, and so now, like, I'm starting to, like, shape this team, and and I mean, like, I'm checking with everybody I can check with, like, like I'm, like, running stuff by, like, Kim, my wife, because, like, we both have done this before, and, like, I want to make sure I'm not crazy. Um, but, like, at the end of the day, like, it's kind of, like, it's on me, right, if, like, something, if this doesn't work out, or if, it like, something goes wrong with the team, or if something breaks, like, that's, like, the thing that's, like... Like, oh, well, who made that decision or who, like, said that was a good idea? Like, oh, that guy. Um, which I, which I used to share that. I used to share that responsibility. Um,
0: <laughs> that's terrifying. So
2: that's pretty terrifying. And I, it's funny, I didn't realize at first, like, I, I kept kind of checking in with folks about, like, like the VBA product, like, about, like, decisions I was making. And I, I learned pretty quickly. I started to get this impression that, like, he was kind of like, what? why are you asking me this? Like, you shouldn't be asking me this. Just go. Just, like, I trust you. Do this thing. And so now I'm doing that and uh you know what could go wrong? Probably nothing. Um. <laughs>
1: also everything though.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Also everything. <laughs> that's okay. I mean like that that's the that's the cool part. It's like that's why this is like again, like management That's
1: the scary part, you're learning.
2: Well and management being design, right? It's like I mean I mean heck, like shipping something's scary. Right? Like at Etsy when you ship something to, you know a site that like last year did like $1.4 billion in revenue. Like that's a really scary thing. Like you take down the website, like it's pretty scary. Like that's like something that can happen. Um, but you do that and like something goes wrong or like your experiment fails. And like, as long as you recognize the failure and you like iterate from it as quickly as possible, like you're going to be okay. Um, and I, that's what I told all the designers at Buzzfeed when I got there was like, look, like we're going to try some stuff. And I'm going to try some stuff and we're going to be wrong a lot, like wrong all the time. And like the only way that this gets better is if you tell me when something's wrong. Right. Like if we're doing some design, if we like implement some design critique structure and it's super not working for you, like if you're if you just like don't say anything and you're just ticked off and it's bad, like and I don't know that, like I can't fix it. Like I can't just like iterate away from it and like change it. Right But as long as you're like open and honest with me, like, hey, like this isn't working or failing, like i'll fix it like we'll like talk about it and we'll like come to a new solution and like try something different um, I'm like super not afraid of like failing quickly, I'm really afraid of failing slowly, um, because that's when people leave or people get really upset um, is when something sits around and like just like, it's like if you left an A/ B experiment running for a really long time at 50 50, but it was like tanking and you just kept it running because you were just hoping it would work out <laughs>
0: Please turn around.
2: Please. I know you will. Just if we have enough data, I'll be right. Like, you don't do that, right? Like, that's not how it works.
1: <laughs> you, expe- you expect it to work like a slot machine where you just lose over and over and over and over and then eventually win one?
2: Yeah. Or, like, or slowly get better, right? Like, so you're, you're hopefully, hopefully improving with every time you, like, change it. You're improving a little bit. So, you know, like, it's scary, but it's not, I'm not afraid of it being fatal as long as I'm able to, like, keep my head like open and like being like have my eyes open um, and be able to recognize when things aren't working very well. It'll be like, it'll be okay. (laughs) I'm saying that for me, not for you. (laughs) It'll all be okay. (laughs) Reassuring
0: himself. (laughs) It's all going to be okay, Cap. Okay. um, Well, one thing uh, that is always good to learn more about, and actually it's, it's cool, Cap. So the last time I talked to you was, specifically about hiring designers, and uh, I'm still trying to hire our next designer. This is something I'm now ways. very since
1: interested talked, in.
2: Since we talked, you're still trying to hire the same role? Yeah. Brian, come on. I'm just I'm just messing with you. It's fine. Hiring's hard, dude.
0: Dude, no. I, I, <laughs> he already feels so bad about it. You really just hurt his I feelings. Know, I just,
2: I'm <laughs> realizing now that, I, that I, thought he, I thought he was joking. <laughs>
0: I've slumped down even lower in my bed.
2: I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm really struggling with this one. Uh, we've been looking for designers and I, I have a few interviews next week. Um, I find a lot of people make some really common mistakes and I, I wanted to hear from your point of view, you've hired a lot more than I have. Uh, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see maybe young designers making in and how can people improve the way they apply to jobs like Etsy or, or Buzzfeed?
2: Yeah. That's tough. Um, it's a really good question. I don't know. I mean, like, a, <clears throat> I feel like this is, this may be bad advice for everybody, but me, um, I would say like, actually this is, this part isn't bad advice. I'm going to give you the good advice. Um, I've decided, I've decided to give you the good advice, not the bad advice. um, I feel like what I see a lot is like, and I I feel like this is because of uh, the dribblefication of product design on the interwebs. Uh, I see a lot of like people send me portfolios, which are just like full of finished work. It's just like, that's all it is. It's just screenshots of like the final product. And I will like email people back and be like, hey, that's cool. But like, that's not super interesting. Like I need, like, I want to see the messy stuff. Like I want to see the stuff that, like you're not proud of. Like I want to see the stuff that like you tried and like just didn't work at all. Like, the finished product, that's great. I'm glad you got there. Like, But, like, was that the first thing you did? Because if it's the first thing you did, it's probably wrong. And, like, I want to, like, know that you, like, tried a bunch of stuff, like, weren't happy with it, like, failed a bunch. Like, show me the sketches. Show me, like, like the document you wrote with, like, all the bullet points about all the features you thought you'd need and how you, like, cut that down to, like, five things or, like show me the wireframes that you tried or like the prototypes that like just totally blew up in your face and user the research. Right. Like show me all of the stuff. Right. And I feel like <clears throat> like a lot of designers honestly just don't have it. I mean, they don't, they don't have that process. Like, and that's a tough one. Like that's a really tough thing to like, it's tough to gauge someone's problem solving abilities through like a portfolio that's full of like polished, finished work. It's just really tough. Um, and what I find a lot is like when people come in for the interview or when I talk to them in person, like, And we do like a quick exercise together or something like it starts to fall apart because like the most important thing when you're, especially in like pretty complex products, like Buzzfeed, Etsy buffer, like the really hard part isn't like the visual design, right? Like the, like a lot of these like sites and like products have a pretty established like visual identity and like patterns. And so like a lot of the time you're not really reinventing the wheel and you're going to stay inside of those patterns, but like you're going to solve really complicated, like flow problems and that's the people i'm looking for like who are the folks that have like worked in really complex systems and know how to like solve that problem how to attack a problem from the front instead of like well like i'm going to open up photoshop or sketch and like just start to like well i'm going to like drag in all my ios gui and like start to build an app right like that's just not how it
1: works i'm actually really glad you said that uh since this is going to go live long after i've uh started my new job um, I, I've never put together a portfolio ever uh, I've been lucky to not have to but oh, this last time I actually just took them through my field notes <laughs> notebook and my sketch docs <laughs> and I just like walked them through my thinking and they just yep. went for it it was yep. awesome
2: yeah I mean that's the thing like I like your portfolio doesn't also, also to be totally honest doesn't have to be this polished like beautiful thing either right like it doesn't have to be like Like, I really appreciate the people that write blog posts about their projects. And they're like, and then like, here's the process. And here's like some artifacts. And like, that's really nice. That's actually super great. Like, I wouldn't discourage anyone from doing that. But like, honestly, like what you just described is enough, right? Like have the work to show me, right? Like I'm going to email you and ask you for like a portfolio or something. And all you have to do is write back and be like, well, I don't have a portfolio, but I have all this work. And like, I'm happy to show it to you over like Google Hangout or in person or something. And like, we'll totally do that like walk me through it i don't care it's actually way easier it's way better for me if you're talking about that stuff like it's way easier for me to grok what i'm looking at um cuz i don't know the work obviously um yeah it's tough man it's just like some folks just don't like i mean and i totally get why i mean i didn't have a process either until i went to amazon i was the only designer everywhere i ever was so i didn't even know what that should be um and then I got to Amazon, and I started working with some, like, a team of designers, a lot of, like, UX, like, hardcore UX designers. And I was like, whoa. I was like, I was, like what is this? Like, I, I'm used to going straight into, like, code. Like, I'm, I'm used to just, like, starting to code a design, like, from scratch. Um, and these folks are, like, backing way up and, like, really, like, I mean, they all started with, like, a written doc, basically, about, like, problems and, like, uh, ten- like design tenants and stuff like that. And, like, ran that by, like, their PMs and stuff and, like, got aligned on like the goals before they even started designing. And I'd never seen anything like that before. Um, and then all the artifacts and things like that, like I created so much like process artifact in the like year and a half I was at Amazon and it was just like, it totally changed everything for me. And a lot of designers just haven't had particularly in startups don't get that opportunity. Right. Um, because you're usually the only one, like you're the first one and like you're the only one for a very long time. Um, and it's tough. It's just it's pretty tough, um, but I would encourage you if you're that designer out there, like read some blog posts, like find some like stuff out there that'll like, and try things, like try things, and like even if it feels weird or you don't see the value, like try to try some stuff a few times and see if like you can figure out what people's tools are for, um, and how you can apply them to your process and know when and when not to apply them.
0: So at a high level, what does your process look like these days?
2: Uh, well.
0: When you actually get to ship design
2: I, I guess when I, when I do design stuff <laughs> when I do design things, um, actually, I do design stuff on the on the: uh, you said
1: you were in the trenches, I kind of assume that's what oh well, that's what I meant by it, I guess
2: uh no yeah I'm, I'm most I meant in the trenches like I'm hanging out with designers a lot.
1: Ah,
0: which
2: is not always it. going to be the case, unfortunately. Um, that's
0: like in the barracks, man
2: yeah, right, right
1: that sucks that's the worst part. designers are not fun to hang out with.
2: oh they're so awesome
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's just you, Bryn. Yeah,
2: you, know, you know who's not awesome are product managers who became designers. That's like the
1: Those assholes.
2: Yeah, no one likes those people.
1: <laughs> Don't try and product manage um, me.
2: That's right. Um I actually forgot the question.
1: Always but, um, writes up a spec for what we're gonna do while we hang out. Oh, right.
2: Right. So <laughs> Um So process. So like my if when I am designing stuff, my process it so it depends on what it is. Like so like there's a... Um, I think the nice thing about like building out a pretty wide tool set is that you can start to understand like when to apply certain pieces of it and when it's not necessary. Right. So like if I'm working on a side project, like I'm probably not going to write up a doc about like goals and like, like tenants and stuff like that, like design tenants. Cause like really like I'm just kind of screwing around. Right. Like it's not like it's, I'm not, it's not serious design if you know what I mean. Um, but what I will do is like, I, um, so for fun, I was like designing an app uh, in my spare time. And I started off by like actually just like wireframing out the flow, like with not a wireframe, like UI wireframe, but just like, you know, boxes with like labels on them and like lines between them to kind of figure out like what are all the pieces that I need? Um, and what's the flow going to look like? And like, and it, of course it might be wrong, but like it's just like a, it's in, like an architectural diagram to start from, right? It's like, okay, I understand like the 10,000 foot view, of what I'm doing. And that actually makes it really easy for me to jump into the next part, like, which is either like, like quick sketching of each of those things or like in, like in this particular case, cause like I only had like, I was only going to spend a weekend on it. Like I just kind of jumped straight into sketch from there and like started designing it. Um, but like using that as my reference point to like go back and forth to me, like, okay, so like this goes to this and this needs these three things probably. So, okay. Like making sure that, that happens and like um, kind of giving myself like the, Um, overhead view really helps me with like the detail work or like getting closer to it. Um, but I actually like, uh, this is not meant to be like a plug for myself or anything, but like, there's like, I actually wrote, someone asked me this like a long time ago and I wrote like a three part like series on like, just like what, if I was going to do the full, like if you're going to get the full thing, like what it looks like. Um, and, uh, so it's on my blog. Um, but it also depends on like what you have available to you. Like some people don't have like user research available to them and uh, you can still do it. Like you can do like guerrilla user research. I can I like, went on Craigslist when in my like second startup went on Craigslist offered $20 iTunes gift cards for people to come in and like use this like prototype I made. And now like I realized I realized later in life that that wasn't a safe thing to do, but we're all live. So it's okay. That's
1: actually what we did at ShopSavvy. So
2: yeah, I mean, it, it super works. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why no one's, like, gotten robbed or, like, you know, held up by like some, like, random Craigslist person looking for 20 bucks. <laughs> um, But it totally worked out, and it's, like, super helpful. And it'll help you get, like, the big things, for sure. Like, you'll see the big glaring things that people, like, stumble through. But a lot of people, like, it just depends on, like, your time and your resources and, like, what you're able to, like, accomplish. But, like, um, it can be pretty deep if you want it to be.
0: I can see that being a challenge for like a new designer at a startup where you don't have time to a go through that process, but B you're not going to necessarily have the time or resources to have multiple iterations. So your portfolio then would be only finished products and whether it's crappy or not, that's kind of what you had to do.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. That's, that's interesting. I've never, I mean, so I was the only designer at Zeus and Formspring. Um, Formstring for a long time we actually wound up hiring a junior designer eventually but um and in all both those cases like we were moving really fast and i was able to do like multiple passes at like each feature or each like thing we were working on like it wasn't like we didn't ship them all obviously but like i was able to like get multiple versions like quickly like designed and like we could all look at them together and like iterate on those and like even in code like while we're coding like the nice thing about Formspring is I met this uh, engineer, Sandosh, and, like, he, like, a really, he was a great, like, really amazing engineer, but also, like, had a really, like, good mind for design. And so, like, as he would be, like, writing code and I was designing, like, he would run into things and he would, like, show them to me or I would show my design to him and we would be able to, like, bounce it back and forth. Um and he always had really good insight and like so as he was building something he might run into like an interaction problem that we hadn't anticipated and he would be able to see it and like he would he wouldn't just keep going right he would stop and be like hey so like this is happening what do you think about this um and we could fix it or like iterate away from it but like i i've never had like the speed be a problem um i've never actually i don't know that i know anybody that's only ever done like one singular pass or only had the time to only ever do one pass at everything they're doing And if that's the case like you may be moving too fast um
0: yeah maybe so.
2: Like you don't have to ship them all.
0: That actually brings up another
2: sorry, you don't have to ship them all. <laughs> you just have to like you just have to try some stuff, you know, like it doesn't have to be like perfect or like built. It just has to be like designed so you can look at it.
0: like yeah yeah, no, that's that's true. And it, what you said now brought up another thing for me is as a designer, make friends with the engineers, uh live with the engineers. Especially yes. <laughs> The front end guys that are actually going to be building your stuff um being able to just show them what you're doing and have them say you know teach you about why things will work or won't work and and all that has been immensely helpful and sounds like it was for you too
2: yeah yeah i mean like the it's it's kind of funny it's uh i feel like a lot of places put up like try to put like put up walls between like design and engineering they want
1: departments which... Yeah,
2: and it's real strange. And it's like and then those are always the places where like design and engineering are like having the hardest time. Like they're always like angry at each other, right? Like it's like like engineers don't understand design and like designers just want everything to look perfect and like that's I've literally heard that. Like I've heard those things said um in the past and like uh and it's so interesting because like like if you can just this is again why I think design is so powerful like because design is just it's not like A part of a process of a development process, like it is basically the process. Like, no matter what, like, even when they're building something, they are technically like designing it, right? Every choice they're making, right, is a design choice. And like, just like every product decision is a design choice, right?
1: Design is a lot more all encompassing than people seem to think it is. It's not just the visuals, it's the problem solving. So, anyone who is solving a problem, I mean, anyone designing a solution is a designer,
2: right? Right. And so, like, we should be like, if you can look at it that way, then you should realize that we should be pulling as designers. We should pull the engineers we work with, the product manager, whoever else is like on the team, in as soon as possible. Like from the very first conversation. Like if it's just you and a PM alone in a room, like defining a product, like and there is some engineers out there, like that are on your team that aren't in the meeting, like stop what you are doing, grab them, pull them in the meeting. Like because the thing is, like if you can get everybody into the process early. You're going to avoid all this pain later when, like, you know, you're not going to hit a situation where someone's like building something they don't want to build and they're super ticked off about it because, like, they didn't have a say or a voice or, like, be part or the ability to be part of the discussion at all. Right. Like,
1: yeah. Seriously, though, who knows a platform better than the person who, like, builds for it every single day? Right. I don't think it makes any sense for them not to be a part of every step of the design process.
2: Yep. And I mean, like, I've actually, like, I've met very few engineers in my life that like, like I I could count them on one hand, probably like the number of engineers in my life that just like, were like, no, I don't actually care to be a part of that. Right. Like, it's like most engineers just like designers, like care about the product they're building. Like they have opinions about the product that they're building. They have like ideas, the way, like, like about the way we could go. Um, And man, like what a bummer to like, feel like you're left out of that. Right. What a bummer. Like designers like got left out of that process for a long time too. Right. Like forever. Like I remember like fighting really hard to like make people understand the design wasn't just like the visual. Right. Like I wasn't just going to paint something at the end. Right. Like that wasn't my job. And like it took a long time to convince people of that. And then, man, then we went and like left all the engineers out. <laughs> like, like like, we, we think we would have learned or had some empathy. Like let's just like pull them in with us. And like, why is it like this? Just include everybody. I mean, I've been in like, that's I've been in like product kickoff meetings with like a customer support person, like engineering, product, like design, uh, like merchandising, like like anybody that like wants to be involved or is going to be involved in the project, like is in like the kickoff to like define what we're doing. Um, and that's super important. It'll like again, it'll just save you so much pain. Like you're gonna feel so much better when everybody at the end is like hands up in the air going like yeah we did it this is awesome and not like i can't believe like the stupid designers made this decision (laughs) without me right yeah because man designers are awesome (laughs) we're the best they are they are the best like i mean you know everybody's great but like designers are awesome
1: we should put you and sam in a room and have you fight because he thinks designers are the worst
2: well (laughs) i i would lose so i don't want to
1: that was kind of i
2: would get i would get my
1: off to the side but <laughs> uh we're running up against the clock here now so uh where can people find you online is there anything that you're like really excited about as far as side projects or anything that you want to plug or uh
2: sure so obviously my blogs so i'm going to start like i haven't i kind of fell off for a little while while i was transitioning <clears throat> and i'm going to start trying to kick that back up again um so that's just like Um I also started and I'm trying to maintain like a a link list. That's just like kind of a weird experiment because I like kept finding all these links. I'd have all these tabs open. And I tweeted one day about like, man, I have all these tabs open. I've been meaning to read and like cool videos and like content and stuff. And like someone was like, well, what are all the links? And I was like, I'm not going to put these like 24 tab links on Twitter. That's stupid. Um, so I decided to like give myself a side project and I taught myself I actually have never understood how to create a database and, like, post to a database and, like, then read from a database, like, on the web. I've just never done that. Um, I understand it conceptually, but I've never written the code. And so I gave myself, like, a weekend challenge to, like, figure that out. Because it seems really simple. It's just going to be a form. It posts to, like, the database a link with a title and a description and then, like, reads it. And it turns out actually pretty easy. So, like... um, there's a lot of like cool tutorials online that'll just kind of walk you through it. So like I got it done and like, now I have like a link list that I'm trying to like keep going. Um, and that's just like catwalkins.com slash links. Um, and yeah, that's kind of it. I don't really have much else. Uh, buzzfeed.com for all of your cat needs. Um. <laughs> Cause we all need more of those. Yeah. I mean so many, there's so many cats. I actually didn't realize how many cats there are in the world until I started at Buzzfeed.
0: Actually, Cap, before we go, I have one more question. Um, so I've been reading your blog for a long time, um, maybe a year or two now, ever since you were on Subtle. And I'm curious how blogging has impacted your life as a designer, whether it's just new opportunities or if it's just been kind of a passive thing. What's been the impact for you?
2: So I think like it's obviously like open some like doors I think for me like I mean people read read it and like it resonates with them and like they reach out and like I've made friends this way and like uh made friends with people that I've never thought that I make friends with or like uh like heroes of mine stuff like that uh or uh get invited to speak at conferences and meet even more people um mostly through the blog like people wind up finding me that way uh I think what's been really helpful, I think what resonates with people and what's been helpful for me personally is like the reason I write it is like uh it's kind of me talking to myself a lot of the time like I'm trying to like unpack things for me um because it's like 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 we talked about this job is like pretty scary and it's like very different than anything I've ever done before um just like the Etsy job was before this right um and so writing about it is like my it's like my way of like Figuring it out. Um, and it's actually kind of funny. I like I, I'm talking to the designers at BuzzFeed and like we did the at Etsy uh, about like uh, writing about our work, even just internally. So like forgetting, like being public about it. But like whenever you are doing a design process, writing about the process and documenting that process is like a way for you to understand the decisions you're making. Right, it's a way. It's like it's great for everybody else to see it, but it's also really important for you to like be forced to write down like why you made a decision and like why you're doing something a certain way. Um, and so that's been really helpful for me. Like it's actually been fairly like self therapeutic in a way. Um, and that's just been like that's actually why I keep doing it. I think like whenever something's really bothering me or like I can't like just like figure it out, um, I just start writing. And there, I have a lot of blog posts I haven't posted, obviously, that like um, are that sort of, or there's all that sort of thing where I'm just trying to like get something like wrap my head around something. Um, and I'd encourage anybody to like, uh, start writing regularly. I get actually, I'm trying to remember who I talked to about this. And, um, someone asked me and they said they were trying to get better at writing and they wanted to write like more frequently. And I was like, well, like the way to do that is to actually like set a schedule. Like if you read, uh, about famous authors and stuff, they all have a schedule that they keep. um, where from like you know 8 a.m to 9 a.m or 8 a.m to noon they like they sit at their computer and they like or their typewriter and they just like write or they just sit there and think um but it's like you have to build a habit in order to get better at something and so like again like getting in the habit of like documenting your design process or writing it down or like like discussing like in words the way like the reason you've done things or uh things you're struggling with like that's the only way to like understand it um, and to get better at it, you just have to keep doing it very regularly and on some sort of schedule. So, Like my advice, if like you're thinking about writing or even if you're not, is to start thinking about it and like, you don't have to be public about it. Like you can write it in whatever you want. Um, but just like do it and like write about the stuff you're struggling with and like why you're struggling with it. And then like try to solve it like w- while you're writing about it, because like, man, that's like helped me so much, uh, it's helped me like really clarify my position and like how I feel about things. Um, and it'll be, be, helped me like be more articulate about those things. So, um, yeah, everybody should write.
0: I love that. That is, that is amazing advice. That's exactly a, a
1: big chunk of why I started carrying a field's note, field notes around with me. Cause just the act of like writing it out and working through all of it in words helps so much.
2: Yeah, it totally does. I mean, that's why I like talking to people about stuff too. Like, it's just like you get so much further than like, not saying anything and just like thinking on your own.
1: Yep. Um you lose a lot there. Like that's that's not a very additive process. Like for everything you think you
0: lose something effectively. Right. So. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time cap. This was awesome talking to you and uh I think we'll have to do a follow-up as soon as our schedule permits. Um I I really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah,
2: this was awesome. Thanks you guys. This was like I was actually like really uh surprised and like uh i don't know kind of like flattered to be on this so good luck with this this is like i listened to i was telling bren i listened to all of the episodes um, over the last like couple of weeks and it's just like it's it fe- i can like i can feel the thing taking shape like as it progresses so like it, it feels really tight oh
1: <laughs>